You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. If you're a regular reader of Slog, which is The Stranger's blog, you can read it at slog.thestranger.com, where I blog every day, including when I get to it, the Savage Love Letter of the Day. I do a regular feature called Youth Pastor Watch. Uh, some people think it's kind of mean to Christians, and I'm being an asshole, and it is, and I am. Um, but, but basically what I do is I just, like, every once in a while, I dink around on the internet, and I gather together all the stories about raping, murdering, child-molesting youth pastors, and I put them all uh, up on the blog and call it Youth Pastor Watch. I think it's interesting because if, you know, there's two or three shark attacks in Florida in the summer and it's the cover of Time Magazine and it's a pattern and a trend and, oh, my God, the sharks are coming for us all. And if you follow the news about youth pastors, it it makes shark attacks look like nothing. And and yet we don't connect the dots about youth pastors because uh, the media and, and mainstream media in particular has to be endlessly deferential to religious people and their sensitivities, their myriad multitudinous sensitivities. But anyway, this one I think uh, rises to the level of a mention on a pod- the podcast. Uh, in Virginia, a youth pastor at the Stafford County Church was indicted last week because she – it was a female and this is rare in and of itself. She had sexual relations with a 15-year-old boy. Uh, she was counseling the boy and the boy's girlfriend – not to have premarital sex. That was part of her – that was her job as youth pastor at this uh, Christian church was to tell this boy not to have premarital sex with his girlfriend because she wanted all that premarital sex with him for her apparently and now she's been indicted. I just think that giving your teenagers over to people who are you know, fundamentalist Christians, wacky Christians who are clearly obsessed with sex and power and control – and giving your teenagers over to them, putting your teenagers at you know the height of their sexual, uh, perhaps uh, interests, uh, you know their their full ripeness in adolescence, over to these people who are self-identifying as a little obsessed and crazy and controlling and a little too interested in other people's private sexual conduct is a mistake. And if you follow Youth Pastor Watch on Slog, you will see. That it is a mistake. But this one's particularly interesting because if you know, the obvious hypocrisy. No premarital sex for you unless it's with me, your youth pastor. La la la. Let's be careful out there, kids. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage today for details. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm a 27-year-old straight female. I've been in a relationship for two years. It's really wonderful. Um, I couldn't ask for more. Um, My boyfriend and I have great communication about sex. Um, we know that we watch porn separately. Uh, we talk about it vaguely. Um, I told him that I mostly watch lesbian porn because all the heterosexual porn that I can find is so demeaning and it just grosses me out. 
Um, and I think that he mainly watches heterosexual porn and maybe some lesbian porn, but I would love for us to be able to watch porn together at some point. Um, and I would like for it to be heterosexual porn, but I can't find any that isn't awful um, in my eyes. So if you could guide us to some heterosexual porn that um, does not have women having cum shot in their faces and other things of that sort, that would be great. Uh, joining me on the phone from her Batcave in San Francisco is Violet Blue, author, activist, columnist for the SF Chronicle, and she blogs constantly, uh, and you can follow her doings at tinynibbles.com. Hey, Violet, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. You write a lot about porn, and you write a lot about mainstream porn and about, uh, you know, cum shots and degradation. And Which <laughs> uh, uh, is always a bad thing, you know, it's not degrading if you like it. No, it's in the eye of the beholder, certainly. <laughs> Often, sometimes literally, <laughs> quite in the <laughs> So where does this woman find hetero porn that, quote-unquote, isn't demeaning? Well, I think that anyone's going to be hard-pressed to find heterosexual porn that doesn't have cum shots in it these days, because, especially facial cum shots, they are very, very popular, and they've become sort of a staple. Um, even in women-directed porn, I've noticed them a lot. So that might be something that is going to be on the I-don't-like-it list, but I may just have to fast-forward through it list. I was going to suggest that. Whatever ha- I mean, whatever happened to the fast-forward button? Like, there's lots of things exactly. that you don't like. But it seems to me that for her, it's kind of a deal-breaker, or it ruins the whole film if there's a single... It's true. It sounds It sounds like that's definitely not something that she wants. I mean, however, it will put out there that not all heterosexual porn, especially the stuff that you'll find that's made by women, has facial cum shots because, for instance, like in Tristan Taramino's films, um, the women who are in the scenes decide what happens with everything, what happens with the sex acts, what happens with where the cum goes, all of it. So oh, it's just like life. What's that? It's just, just like, like life. life. <laughs> I know, imagine that. Yeah, really. Porn that's like life? No way. <laughs> from what that's... I hear from my heterosexual male friends, it sounds a lot like their sex lives on film. Um, yeah. So can you rattle off a few more names? There's Tristan Tarmina who's been on the podcast before. Other people who, uh, whose work she should be looking for if she wants to find some porn that's not necessarily degrading? Yeah, um, I mean, besides Tristan Charmino, all of the the vivid Ed directors are really fabulous. So you're going to take a look at ones like, you know, Penny Flame and Kim Kane, and also even uh, the films of Ian McKay. He's not a girl, but he does direct some really interesting films that fall far outside the genres. Um, So, I mean, if you're looking for film films, that is. And what's really interesting about Ian films and the vivid uh, alt films is that they just got picked up by Book Soup, which is a big bookstore chain. Mm -hmm. Um, because they're so different and strange and interesting. So that's something that, that um, they'll definitely want to look for. Also, um, films like Candida Royale, I know that she's she's been doing films for a very long time. Some of them are very dated, but she's come up with some new titles recently, Aphrodite Superstar and Under the Covers, and she generally doesn't feature, feature any facial cum shots at all in her films, which I think is really interesting. So Now, don't you think it's interesting, just jumping back into her call for a second, that mm-hmm. It didn't even seem to occur to her that she and her male partner could watch lesbian porn together. Yeah, I was actually wondering what kind of porn he watches and if that would be compatible with her as well because it's a two-way conversation, you know, trying to negotiate what type of porn both people want to watch. So, you know, one thing that one person likes isn't going to be what the other person likes, and I'm wondering what his, 
you know, turn-offs and turn-ons would be, and if they'd match her. I mean, if he's sitting there jacking off to, to hardcore, you know, BDSM porn from Kink.com or Twisted Factory, she's definitely not going to be interested in that. But that means that he has a certain set of interests and needs that may not be met by simply watching her kind of lesbian porn. So. And sometimes people like to watch porn alone. Some people don't yeah. want to watch porn with their partners, and it doesn't mean that they, they're not necessarily watching porn that their partner wouldn't approve of. But for some people, the whole porn and masturbation thing is a kind of solo sexual expression, and they're self-conscious, or it's not as much of a turn-on mm-hmm. when there's someone yeah. else around. So is it really even a problem, potentially, that they're not watching together? Well, I think that they're going to want to consider it like a new sex toy that they're trying together because you're right. People can feel like there's a lot of pressure to perform or that they need to act or behave in a certain way or even just, you know, the act of masturbating together is, you know, without porn is something that's pretty intense. Sex when you're alone, you can check out, you can go to your, your private place and have your private fantasies and you don't worry about what the other person's thinking or feeling, you know, and you can run whatever tape in your head you want. But when you have partnered sex, it's very different because it's a shared experience and you're, you're hyper aware of what the other person is going through. So in general, it can be a lot more difficult to relax. Yeah, Introducing, I've heard from guys, uh, guys in particular, uh, and not just uh, straight guys, but gay guys too, who said that they watch porn with their partner and what it turned into was, uh, you know, a scenario where they're getting busted where they were being scrutinized, and someone oh, was like, yeah. I can't, you, that turns you on in a very disapproving yeah. way if they notice their partner kind of getting into whatever was on screen that didn't turn the other one on or the other one disapproved right. for some political reason. Right. It's a minefield. You've got to be kind of... I think, or even jealousy. I mean, because people can't help but compare themselves to the people on the screen. And, of course, the people on the screen look impossibly perfect, so... You know, it's easy to project those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. That's what's great about amateur porn. It's made us all feel good about our bodies. Um, Can you hang out for another call? I can, definitely. Hey, Dan. I'm a 23-year-old straight male. Uh, I'm currently engaged to a a lovely woman, and uh, very early in our relationship, she asked me to stop looking at porn. And I didn't realize how serious she was until she caught me. Looking at it again, and we went through a big kind of mess, but we got through it. I haven't looked at porn since, and uh, the relationship has been great. Uh, I thought her reasoning was kind of dumb, but it was important to her, and she was more important to me than porn, so I just said, forget it. I'll just uh, focus on her. Just uh, a couple days ago, she confessed to me that while I was away, she was really horny, and she looked at porn, and she felt really terribly guilty about it. And was like, well, I feel like I cheated on you. I feel like this is terrible. I feel like I said, well, you know, this is kind of hypocritical, but I do not view it as cheating at all. I never viewed porn as cheating. I never viewed it as anything other than, you know, sometimes we're horny. Our partner's not there. We need a little inspiration. I don't feel like it's a big deal, but she's making a huge fuss out of it. I'm not trying to say we should now start looking at porn because she's clearly upset about it. But at the same time, I, I just... I don't want her to feel like guilty about it. I, you know, maybe, you know, yeah, it was a little hypocritical to say, well, you can't watch porn, and then you went and turned around and did the same thing and did it. I'm not that upset about it. It's just porn. How do I, can I get some help explain this to her? Let's pretend that she called. Okay. And let's talk to her. Okay, that sounds what, good. What do you think's going on, and what do you think she should do? Well, I would say the first thing I would ask her is what, is what's the problem that she has with watching porn? Because it sounds like she feels incredibly guilty about watching porn. And I want to know who it's a problem for. Is it a problem for her? Is it a problem for the imaginary judging voices in her head? And then what the problem is. I mean, I just, 
it seems like she had some private time and she masturbated and she got off and then she felt incredibly guilty afterward. And I'm wondering if maybe she's either she either is carrying in the, the heterosex, heterosexual stereotype of you should never masturbate in a relationship because that's cheating, which I find a very fascinating dynamic um, because masturbation is really healthy and you should do it when you're in a couple and you should do it separately. It's good, it's good for your overall sexual health. But I'm wondering if she looked at something maybe that made her feel uncomfortable on a different level. Maybe it was a fantasy that she explored that makes her feel uncomfortable in her daily life or it's something that she would never do herself. Um, if it was something that had age play involved or female degradation or something that maybe triggered something else for her because, you know, it seems like she's upset about something that may be a little bit deeper than masturbation. It sounds like they have really good sexual communication. So it also I'd wanna... sounds like, you know, what I, what I get from this is she didn't have to tell him. She told him. Yeah. She disapproved of porn. She didn't have to look at it. She did. I think... She may be trying to force a conversation that helps her evolve to a different place about porn and sex uh, and her connection to this guy. You know, listening to the call, I reminded of all things of an ex-boyfriend of mine who was really hyper about monogamy and he was worried I was going to cheat on him and he never shut Mm -hmm. up about it. And I went out of town (laughs) for two days and he cheated on me. Oh, my God. And I, you know, and he told me and then he got mad at me because I wasn't mad at him. Oh, no, you think the lady does protest too much. Mad at me. You know, and three months later, we were having three ways. And, you know, we were in a (laughs) non-monogamous relationship, which I think was what he wanted all along, but he was afraid of it. Right. He listened to this call, and I think, well, what she wants is more freedom, but she needs someone to give her permission. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And it seems like she's she's definitely asking for, for a conversation. And I was wondering, after listening to his call, I mean, he's really elegant the way that he talks about sex and masturbation. And very matter of fact, and I was thinking if he could just play his call to her, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, he said it so plainly, like, it's just porn, it's no big deal, go for it. And I'm wondering if he's even said this to her, because it sounds like she may need that reassurance. I'm and also, that he's going to play this for her. A lot of people write in oh, column, cool. and they want the question in the column so they can hand the column to their partner. And I think yes, you yes. hand this podcast or put the words <laughs> right in her ears and make her listen to what you're having to say. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's a, a bit of a challenging situation regardless. But, it, you know, for him, I would definitely like to say that you guys have had a breakthrough regardless. You know, she's she's come forth and said something that's really scary and important to her. So now it's your opportunity to to go ahead. And you don't know? drop it because I think yeah. she may want to retreat into this shy game where she may not. You know, she'll act like she doesn't want to have this conversation, but I think her actions speak louder than her words, and she does want to uh, address this and talk about it and explore with him. And I think that's the reason why she confided this. Yeah, and it will come up again. You know. She will do it again, <laughs> and that's great. <laughs> so will I, and so will you. Yes, indeed. <laughs> hey, Violet, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. It was really fun. That was Violet Blue, author, activist, columnist, and you can read her stuff and find her books at tinynibbles.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. You know what they got? I just looked. Venus in Furs by Leopold von Sacher Massach. I think uh, all the SNMers out there need to read their source material or hear their source material read to them every once in a while. So I would recommend this week's election, Venus in Furs. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage for your free audiobook today.
Hey, Dan. I was wondering, can you explain balloon fetish? I saw a uh, couple of videos on the Internet about a week ago, and I, I just don't get it. The guy was jerking off and blowing up a balloon until it popped. I mean, it was he was hot, but I just don't get it. It's not for you to get, is it? The end. It's not your turn on. Don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. If there's something out there uh, that you can fetishize, somebody out there has fetishized it, if there's a hole out there that can be fucked, somebody out there is fucking it, um, really you can ask why until your head falls off. But sometimes you just have to look at a fetish and think, there but for the grace of God go I, and whatever pleasure he's getting out of that, more power to him, I don't get it, and I'm not supposed to get it. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hi, Dan. I'm a 24-year-old straight male in a very happy long-term relationship. Neither one of us is very high libido, largely because we both work very long hours. But when we do have sex, it's great. One problem, and it's entirely my problem. I have a weird, it's almost a neurological disorder. Physical stimuli don't really register for me. For instance, I haven't eaten for about 16 hours. I'm going to start getting hungry probably in the next three or four. Uh, but remembering to eat, for instance, is something that I have to you know, make notes to myself. Similarly, sex, while pleasurable to me, is not particularly more pleasurable than cuddling afterwards. Both are things I really enjoy. My problem is I know that if my girlfriend were to be making no noises and showing relatively little reaction, it would be a major hit to my ego. I have to imagine that the reverse is somewhat displeasurable to her, that I don't make noises, don't show obvious signs of being very, very happy, in spite of the fact that emotionally, I love it. I absolutely love how much she enjoys having sex with me. That's a huge hit to my ego. It's a great thing for me to realize that this person I love so much is getting so happy because of something I'm doing. That's great, but I almost feel like I've got to be sapping her ego. I don't want to fake an orgasm, strange as that sounds coming from a male. Is there anything I should be doing that maybe will communicate this beyond telling her how much I love her and how much I enjoy it? I mean, I, I don't know. Is there anything else I should be doing to compensate for the fact that I'm not the sort of person who makes these noises or shows outwardly great signs of physical ecstasy. I mean, I, I, I got nothing. This sounds like a case of someone not taking yes for an answer. There's nothing. If your girlfriend is telling you that she's sexually satisfied, that she's happy, that she enjoys you, and that she's not worried about whatever your neurological disconnect is that prevents you from tapping into pleasure the same way she does – Take yes for an answer. Take all those yeses for an answer. Stop worrying about it. Stop second-guessing it. Take her at her word. 
Uh, my question is about age, and I'm 37. Um, I'm a sex worker in Nevada at a brothel in uh, Vegas. And here's my question. I'm super hot, but last time when I was home, um, I picked up a guy at the bar and went home. He was goddamn beautiful, and the sex was great, and I loved it. But here's the thing. He was only 25, and in the morning, um, I kind of freaked out. Um, but the, you know... I woke up in the morning and a shaft of light came in through the window and hit his face and his face was just flawless, no wrinkles, no sunspots, goddamn beautiful. And um, I kind of shit my pants and wanted to put the pillowcase over my head and basically just put him in the car and took him home and dropped him off and didn't get his phone number. And... uh, it's curious to me because I'm I'm actually quite confident, and that was a moment of um, of uh, I guess of um, sort of uh, vulnerability for me, and I I would have preferred uh, not to have behaved like that because I would have really liked to have gotten his phone number and and you know seen him again. The sex is great. I really liked him and um, etc. But I guess I have a, a thing that I didn't realize I had about not being confident enough to be with, with the younger guys, maybe. You know, beauty is power, particularly in the line of work that you're in. And, and youth is power. And typically youth and beauty go together, but not always. And I think what happened and what freaked you out was you suddenly realized, as opposed to most of the sex you have professionally and perhaps a lot of the sex you've had uh, personally – you suddenly realized that you weren't the most powerful person in the room when you fucked that guy. That what you usually have all you know usually have all the beauty power. You didn't have all the beauty power. He had a significant amount of the beauty power, and he had so much of the beauty power and the youth power that he was in a position where he could hurt you, where he could reject you, uh, and you wanted him so badly because he was so beautiful that his rejection. His, the potential of being rejected by him was terrifying. And so you did the stupid thing that a lot of people do when they're staring down potential painful rejection. You rejected first. You got out in front of it and rejected him in advance of him rejecting you. It's a self-protection move, but it's also a little self-defeating because basically the rejection happened. It was just a bank shot rejection where you rejected him theoretically by not taking his phone number and discarding him uh, so casually the morning after. But in a way, you kind of rejected yourself on his behalf before he could get around to rejecting you because you were self-conscious about the fact that he was more beautiful, perhaps, than you were. And that was an unfamiliar, strange feeling, perhaps even a terrifying feeling. So what do you do? I don't know. I don't know if you can go find this boy. But I think you should have enjoyed what it was for however long it lasted. You know, maybe he would have wanted to bang you a few more times and because of the age difference and because you don't live in the same town, uh, it wasn't destined to be anything long term. But you certainly could have enjoyed each other's company over the short term and he could have gotten you know the benefit of your beauty but also your age and experience and wisdom. And you could have enjoyed temporarily his youth and hotness 
And that sort of mutual exchange, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And that can be, you know, we talk about relationships and sexual relationships as if they're only ever valid if there's if there's a potential for something long term to develop. They're only valid sort of emotionally. Uh, they only have any legitimacy if you guys can wind up together for decades. And if the two people going into a sexual relationship know that it can only be for a few months or for a weekend or for an evening, that something sinister and sinful and wrong happened. That's not true. You could have enjoyed him. He could have enjoyed you. You could have enjoyed each other's company, enjoyed each other sexually, uh, and both emerged from the encounter happier, uh, more emotionally healthy, more sexually satisfied, and with a feeling of contentment and perhaps a lifelong, you know, connection on Facebook or via email or every once in a while when you're in the same town, that was good and decent and wholesome, even if what you were both uh, primarily after was the sexual connection. So you really did kind of cheat yourself out of something potentially beautiful, even if it was only going to be for a weekend or a week, because, again, you were afraid and that was an unfamiliar feeling for you to be the less beauty-powerful person in the room. Hi, Dan. I am a straight female college student whose male roommate just came out of the closet um, a few months ago. I consider him to be among my closest friends, and uh, before he came out, I appreciated his quirky personality and openness, but I never suspected he was gay. Now he is super gay. Not necessarily in his affect, but in the sense that, like, all of that quirkiness and openness has been dialed up so high, like, the knob is broken off. So, here's an example. He fiercely pursued one of my other gay friends, who has a serious boyfriend, by inviting himself over to the guy's apartment until 5 in the morning and making these ultimatums, like... You know we should be together, so you have to choose between me or the boyfriend. And when he returned from these multiple conversations he had with the guy, he would often come in my room and wake me up at like 5 or 6 in the morning and give me the whole spiel about what happened the night before. And He also basically guilted a couple of the other gay guys at my school into hooking up with him. I know I should give him time to be obnoxious and this is the first time he's exploring hooking up with guys and really hooking up at all. And uh, since I, I was the first person he came out to, so I think he has limited people he can talk to about this and I feel a certain responsibility, I guess, for him. So I have no idea how to tell him that he's embarrassing himself by forcing himself on the gay community at my school. Um, I, I don't know how to do that without seriously doing some damage to him, but I don't know how much longer I can let him go on like this. So how can I make him spare me the details of these hookups that I know the other guys are regretting, but also be that necessary outlet for him because uh, seriously driving me nuts? Your friend hasn't been gay for very long, and like a lot of people who've just come out who haven't been gay for very long, he's really bad at it. And he'll probably be bad at it for a while. You know, imagine if you had bottled up your heterosexuality and not told anyone you were straight and blah, 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 you know, the, the flip side. Until one day in your late teens, early 20s, you never mention how old he is, you suddenly give yourself permission to be the heterosexual that you've always denied. You're going to probably fuck it up because you don't have much practice. A lot of gay people 
who come out in their late teens, college, early 20s, have to go through, have to make all the same mistakes that their straight peers made when they first started dating in middle school. And so you get these gay guys who are 20 who are acting like 14-year-olds. And it is extremely annoying. And they'll get through it. And it takes some time. And, and the learning curve is steeper and they climb it faster. The way to help your friend get there faster is to not button your lip. Being supportive uh, of him as a brand new out gay person doesn't mean you have to sign off on every idiot thing he does. It doesn't mean you have to hand him pink permission slips every time he leaves the house. It doesn't mean that when he's been a manipulative little shit, when he's tried to undermine someone else's relationship, when he's engaged in emotional blackmail to get into somebody's pants, you can't look at him and say, wow, you're an emotionally manipulative little shit engaging in emotional blackmail to get into guys' pants and you're undermining some of my friend's relationship and you got to knock it the fuck off and get out of my room. It's 4 a.m. You can say all that to him. And not only can you say all that and still be supportive, saying all that is being supportive. You're going to help him up that learning curve. You're going to help him realize that he's got to learn, learn fast, improve his game, that the whole world doesn't revolve around him and his brand new gay dick. Hey, Dan. Um, you talked to a guy whose wife's uh, uh, mom died a couple episodes back, and she wasn't, uh, or they, I should say, weren't having a lot of sex um, maybe once a month. Um, I'm in a similar situation. And, uh, you know, in that episode you mentioned that um, he should live in, uh, I guess, uh, what was it, a spirit of hope that things will change. And I kind of feel like in my relationship, um, I've gotten to the point where um, I've been living in hope and things haven't changed. And um, uh, kind of the breaking point for me on uh, what I want the advice on is uh, my wife, uh, we were walking in the park and she said to me, uh, you know, I had an itch the other day and I thought to myself, um, he better not have slept with a prostitute and got me crabs. To which I replied, if I'm going to sleep um, with anybody else, I'll talk to you first about an open relationship. Um, and then I got the reply, which was surprising. And what seemed to be half joking, um, why can't you just have an affair like everybody else? So I think you can see what the question is. The question is, should I have an affair like everybody else? Uh, you and the wife aren't sexually connecting, right? No. And how long has this been going on? Or not? You know, <coughs> probably for the last five plus years. Mm -hmm. And you stay in the relationship because? Well, I stay in the relationship because we have two kids, because I do, I do love her, and I... You know, I I uh, I want to be with her, and I you know there was a podcast where you told a guy to kind of live in a state of hope, and that's what I've been doing. But I've kind of run out of hope that that there's going to be something there, or more than what there is. Mm -hmm. Right. So, well, uh, and so ahead. you guys had this this exchange where she said, "I had an itch. I thought maybe you went to a hooker, gave me crabs. I'd be pissed." Yeah, exactly. And I, and you know, at the time I kind of blew it off, but it did come across as kind of half joking. And mm -hmm. you know, and then I said, I told her, you know, I'd come to her and talk to her about an open relationship, but 
before I had sex with somebody, and she, you know, flipped back at me. Well, can't you just have an affair like everybody else, you know? And I was like, oh, my gosh. That is okay. That is sort of her giving you permission to have the affair. However, it's she's got, you know, non-denial denial. She's giving you permission basically without actually giving you permission explicitly so that if you were to act on it, you could still be in enormous trouble if it came out. Yeah, yeah that was pretty clear. So she's giving you the green light with a gun to your head, <laughs> which isn't, you know, the best kind of green light. You no. have to decide if that's the green light you want to act on. If I were in your shoes, I wouldn't say, I am contemplating having an affair. I would like to have your permission to have an affair. I think you need to call her bluff and say, what did you mean by why can't you have an affair like everyone else? Were you telling me that I have your permission to have an affair? Were you telling me that if I do, you don't want to know about it? You want me to keep it secret if I do, but you don't care if I do? What did that mean? And then call her on it, basically. And see what she says. It can be more hypothetical. You know, the stats are like 40% of men, 35-ish percent of women, uh, you know, commit adultery over the life of a marriage. And you can throw that out there and say, you know, you might, I might. Is our relationship and our family more important than lifelong sexual exclusivity? Or is what we're saying that, you know, it it will survive? Or is it just that you don't want to have to feel responsible for me living without sex and being angry about it all the time? And so you're giving me a little off-leash time? Like, you you have to ask her to tell you what the fuck she meant. Okay. Call her on it. Ugly. It might be an ugly conversation. Yeah. It'll be uglier. If you cheat on her, you know, quote-unquote cheat on her, if you have sex with somebody else and she finds out and blows up and you say, but you said, why can't I have an affair? And she says, I said, what? I don't remember saying that. And I feel like that's kind of what, like, uh, well, that was another part of it was that it was a shut-up, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like, oh, I know, I'll I'll, I'll throw that out there, and if he does it, then I I I can be in the position of power and be like, look what you did, and... Now I've got, I've got, you know, you're right where I want you. I don't know. That's another thing I was thinking about. Was it just felt, it felt a little manipulative. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I like your idea. I mean, you know, the typical guy. I don't communicate probably as much as I should, but I think this is one I've got to, I've got to call her on and, and ask her what what she meant. You need to have a knockdown drag out now, before anything's happened, so that it, gotcha. there isn't permission, there isn't buy off. You know, but you need to risk the really explosive argument about where you're at sexually. And I think you need to tell her, I am not going to live without sex for the rest of my life. That is not fair. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I will stay with you for the rest of my life, but I'm not going to live without sex for the rest of my life. Which really throws okay. into her court, which means, you know, either you fuck me or somebody's going to fuck me, but I'm going to get fucked. <laughs> right? Yeah. And Yeah, to frame this in a way where it's not like, I'm threatening you, you fuck me or I'm going to fuck somebody else. You just say, I will be fucked. Yeah. By someone. And then you, it really makes it her call, whether she's going to give you permission to fuck somebody else. Or not. Or not. And then I can, well, and then at the very least I'll know what she meant. And, and you won't be tormented by wondering what the fuck she meant. Yeah. Do you have opportunity to cheat? Um, I, yeah, I think I do. And, you know, I, it was, it was like up until that, 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 that one comment, I, I kind of feel like I was like, okay, you know, it'll get figured out, it'll get figured out, living in hope. And then, 
you know, she said that, and I was kind of like, you know, it just like the whole idea of hope just dropped off the radar, and it I was like, okay. Me. I think you're misquoting me. The living in hope thing, when I've thrown that out there, it's yeah. not that like somebody in a sexless marriage should stick it out forever and live in hope that one of <laughs> wife will want to fuck him. I was talking about living in hope that you can fuck somebody else. You know, if you're in a monogamous relationship, you can despair eventually, you know, but if you're in an open relationship where even, you know, the circumstances under which you're allowed to fuck somebody else are so unlikely that it may never happen, you can still live in hope of maybe gotcha. getting some strange one day. Um, <laughs> that doesn't mean, I don't mean, and I never meant that somebody who's in, who's had their sex life ended unilaterally and unfairly, and that's been imposed yeah. on them should live in hope forever that their wife should come around or their husband should come around because it's not just wives who do that. Um, yeah. And, and putting all the burden on the, you know, sexually rejected spouse to stick it out. You know, gotcha. to be sexually rejected the way you have been sexually rejected is an act of emotional violence. And okay. you have a right to be angry. And you have a right for, to, for redress. You have a right to sexual fulfillment. And if she can't be the source of that sexual fulfillment... You know, in any respect, you have a right to ask for permission to seek it elsewhere while keeping your relationship and your co-parenting primary in your life. Gotcha. Well, I'm glad you clarified that because I obviously read the other way, which was living in a state of hope that someday She's she may she you know, come around. You know, she may. She may be one yeah. of those women who, for the you know the decade after they have kids, just like really lies fallow sexually. And yeah. then comes roaring back in middle age. Like, you may have, you know, eight layers of skin blistered off you uh, when the first kid goes off to college. You never know. Yeah, but that's, that's a long time. But that's now. a long time to wait. Uh, and then if it doesn't happen, you'll be fucking pissed. Yeah. And in the meantime, dot, 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 you should fuck some other people. <laughs> well, I like your idea. I'm going to start with the calling her on that comment and, and ask her what the fuck she meant. Without being, you know, no. Don't say what the fuck did you mean. Say, you said this and I'd like to know. Because... I was just quoting, Dan. I was just quoting you. Yeah, don't quote me. The, the worst thing to do in a conversation with your significant <laughs> other is to, to quote me verbatim. You want to quote the gist of what I had to say. Don't, don't do oh, the okay. verbatim Dan Savage thing. That won't end well. <laughs> Got it. Good luck. Hey, Dan. Uh, I just finished 151 and just wanted to give you some feedback. Um, I've listened to all of your podcasts. Uh, it's provided many hours of entertainment for me, but this one had some especially irksome moments. Um, I think either you're not playing the entire calls for us or you're making some pretty incredible leaps that are pretty annoying. Like, with the with the girl uh, who you know was forced to observe the uh, wanking dude on the bus, um, you immediately mentioned uh, sending a blackmail to prison. Though in the call that was uh, played for us listeners, there's no mention of his race, and that was a little off-putting. Uh, secondly, the the next call about the the girl. Uh, with the boyfriend with the big dick, you're really quick to ascribe this malicious intent to him and vilify him. And I think that's pretty irresponsible. I, I'm guessing it's just a matter of communication and the dude is ignorant, like a lot of us. And it's probably hard for this girl to express some critical opinion about his uh, technique. And 
so there was just a breakdown there. She just needs to better communicate the issue. My guess is that she's been maybe not as clear as us uh, Luddite, dull-headed, thick-skulled guys need sometimes. Anyway, I would uh, I'd enjoy the podcast a lot more if I felt like you were listening more closely to some of the calls. Okay, criticism number one. I was actually quoting the woman who called about the person wanking on the bus. Uh, I didn't make it up. I didn't pull it out of my ass. I'm not uh, a racist who thinks that everybody who masturbates on buses uh, is African-American. To prove it, here we're going to play the part of the call that got edited out. I guess the reason I'm really sad is I don't want to be responsible for putting another young black man in jail in the state of Illinois. So as you guessed correctly, we do edit some of the calls for time uh, to bring the podcast in under seven and a half hours uh, and sometimes for clarity. And we've done hundreds of these shows and this is the first time we've ever edited out by accident a little bit of pertinent information that the call that the listeners needed. Sorry, we're only human. Me and the tech savvy at risk youth. Um, we're only human, a single Borg mind human, a single hive mind human. Now, the big dick thing, you know, when I hear from someone that they've told their big dicked partner that it hurts after a certain amount of time and they can't get off because it hurts and that partner refuses to stop fucking until the person gets off, which the person has already told the big dick partner isn't going to happen because it hurts too bad to get off, but he's going to keep fucking her until she gets off, even though she's told him that it hurts too bad for her to get off, that smacks of maliciousness to me, uh, either intentional or unintentional uh, sadism. That's my read. That's my opinion. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got them. But my assholes are why people call uh, and leave me questions because they want to hear what my asshole has to say about their problem. And my asshole read on this asshole's call was that her asshole boyfriend is an asshole. Uh, she, you know, an important thing to remember when you, you, know, you listen to an advice show or read an advice column is not binding fucking arbitration. She can listen to me rant and rave and go, ah, he's wide of the mark. He doesn't really know my boyfriend. I didn't communicate well enough. She can take my advice into advisement. She doesn't have to go, oh, well, now I'm stuck. I have to dump my boyfriend because he's an asshole, even though I don't think he's an asshole because Dan Savage said on his podcast that he's an asshole. An important thing to remember. Just advice can be disregarded, not binding arbitration. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast if you'd like to record a question for a future show. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read most days the savage love letter of the day and a bunch of other crazy shit. We want to thank Violet Blue once again, tinynibbles.com for coming on the show today and me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening.